Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends, offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Join us now. Open your heart to what God has to say to you. How does God take a boy born in New York, raised in six states across America, graduates from high school in Hawaii as student body president, before earning degrees from Harvard, Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar, University of Hawaii and USC, before becoming a lawyer, government leader, and president of two universities? Did I mention he also learned to speak Japanese at Waseda University in Tokyo? This is the story of Dr. Kent Keith, author of The Paradoxical Commandments. His faith is anchored in Christ. We pause at the beginning of our show to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Radio program is to lead you, dear friend, closer and closer to Jesus Christ. In Jesus, who loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. He shed his blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. And today, the living Christ, who has touched the heart of Dr. Kent Keith, Suzanne Marr, myself, well, we're here believing, hoping, and praying. Not only would you hear his call, but then you would open your heart to the Lord Jesus as well. Dr. Kent Keith is the president of Pacific Rim Christian University. He and his wife, Dr. Elizabeth Keith, have three grown children. Dr. Keith, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So I mentioned New York, born in New York, uh, but I did leave a little hanger there with uh, six states across America. Where did you grow up? Well, my father was in the Marine Corps, so he got transferred almost every year. So I went to nine schools in 12 years. So there was New York and California, Virginia, California, Virginia, Nebraska during the Korean War, Rhode Island when he went to the Naval War College. Um, It was just a way of life. Almost every year we picked up and moved. But when he was transferred to Hawaii, I stopped complaining. Uh, That was a good move, Dad. And uh, I've been in love with Hawaii ever since. Uh, Most of my life has been here. Who influenced you most in your growing up years? You know, I was very fortunate. My parents are just wonderful people. They're Nebraska Methodists. And, um, you know, just believing, uh, you know, you live your faith, you live your values. You, the key words are, are about duty and responsibility and about love and about helping people. And they're not, it's not about power, wealth, and fame and all that kind of stuff. It's just about, you know, doing what, what you, you need to do to take care of each other and, and to live your faith. And, it was just wonderful. That was my parents, my aunts and uncles. It was it was a whole way of life. I just feel very blessed to have grown up among those people. So, how did your faith? You know, you grew up in a in a 
in the church, grow mm-hmm. up in the Methodist church in your case. Uh, how did how did your faith grow to be Kent Keith's faith in Christ? You know, I, I actually can't remember a time when I didn't believe in God. I just always believed. But as I as I got older, I became more and more interested not only in Christ as the Savior, for which we're eternally grateful, um, but how he taught us to live. Because I remember when I was a teenager, the big question on my mind is, okay, uh, this is wonderful. I believe. Now what do I do? And so what really uh, lit up for me, and I think I was 13 or 14 when, when I, I really started reading the Bible and reading the teachings of Christ and saying, okay, this is really tough. This is really challenging, but this is the path I need to be on. It is about loving God. It is about loving our neighbors, ourselves. It is about spreading the word. It's about doing things because we've already been given these huge gifts. God created this uh, abundant universe. He sent his son to teach us and save us, the Holy Spirit to guide us. Now we're supposed to do something. You know, what I find, it's, what I find striking, Suzanne, is uh, he, he, here's a scholar, which quite often is categorized as someone who is pensive, thinking about the <laughs> theories or, you know, thinking about the ideas and the bigger questions, asking the bigger questions about life. And, but he, it's like a hybrid of sorts. You know, you're, you're a scholar, but you're a doer. Uh, and you have done. You have done. Well, when did you discover an intellectual capacity to the level that God has blessed you? I was just very fortunate to, um, you know, my my parents were were my mentors, first of all. Um, My dad spent a lot of time with us kids um, teaching us, and and, uh, we we enjoyed learning uh, together. I've had really, really good teachers. Uh, I've had mentors at schools and universities that really um, encouraged me, spent time with me. Um, You know, I've just been, been very blessed, and that's kind of increased the notion that um, I need to take that and give that back. I need to use that. Um, and I, I, you're right, I do love ideas, but what I love about them is, is using them to make something better. Mm-hmm. What difference would you say your relationship with Christ has made in your life? I really, really, there's, there's so many things in the teachings that, that affected me. But I ended up being really influenced by uh, his prayer with his disciples, for his disciples uh, at the Last Supper where he's talking about being in the world but not of the world. The idea that, yes, we are, we are here, we're, we're, we're here to, to, to make a difference for the Lord, but we don't have to live by the world's values. It's not about uh, power and wealth and fame. It's not about those things. Um, so this ability to focus on what is meaningful, what is, what is the way that I need to, to live my faith, what am I being called to do without worrying about social status or prestige or those sorts of things, which are, are heavily promoted in the secular culture. I mean, we are judged by the secular culture in terms of how much power or wealth or fame do you accumulate. But if you're in the world, not of the world, you're not worried about that. Um, you know, you've got an audience of one. You're living the way you feel you're called to live. And you can, in fact, be successful. It's just that's not what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is follow Christ and live the way he taught us to live. What were the circumstances, Kent, uh, surrounding your writing, the paradoxical commandments? 
Well, I'm not sure how many of your listeners remember the 60s. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Thank you, Suzanne. Danny that's, doesn't. <laughs> but that's where it started. Uh, Thank you, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our listeners may have heard about it from their parents and grandparents. But um, what was happening, um, you know, I was involved in student council in, in high school here in Hawaii. Um, and I went on to work with student leaders during the time I was in college. But what was happening in the 60s? There was a great deal of conflict and confrontation on college and even some high school campuses. But there was also a lot of idealism and hope about, you know, we can change things. We can make things better. And I thought we could make things better, but I really cared about how we did it. And it seemed to me that, you know, throwing rocks at police and starting fires and smashing windows and seizing buildings was not the best way, that we really could sit down and work together to bring about positive change that would last because we were all involved in bringing it about. So I was discouraged when I saw students go out to change things, and I saw them come back, and they seemed discouraged um, because the change that they saw didn't occur uh, or people didn't seem to appreciate them. And so I wanted them to just focus on how meaningful it was to go out there and do what you believe is right and good and true. And if you get the meaning, that's that'll sustain you. So I wrote the Paradoxical Commandments basically to get them focused on the meaning. This is 1968 when it was published. Uh, Suzanne, we have, we and our listeners, we have a privilege today. But, you know, Mother Teresa had the paradoxical commandments on her wall. Wow. But she didn't get a chance to have Kent Keith uh, recite it for us. (laughs) So, Kent, please, uh, if you could recite the paradoxical commandments for us. Well, uh, there are 10 of them, and they start with a statement of adversity, and then they're followed by the positive commandment. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. And finally, give the world the best you have, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Wow. Uh, Dr. Kent Keith uh, reciting the the paradoxical commandments uh, that has spread all over the world over the last several decades. Uh, I did mention uh, Mother Teresa uh, Dr. Robert Schuler wrote about it, and it's just it's translated in what over seventy languages. It's been an incredible uh, tool of inspiration, a tool of hope, a tool that I would say can God is used to help guide people. Could we say it should be given along with a diploma for every college graduate, <laughs> if not high school as well? Thank you. Well, speaking about. Uh, college graduate, we we talk about uh, higher education. As university president of Pacific Rim University, which of the paradoxical commandments is most pertinent? 
Hmm. Wow, that's a really good question. You know, I over time, I have come to believe that the first one is the most important all the time, and that's people are illogical, unreasonable, self-centered, love them anyway. I think that's the kind of unconditional love that really keeps us together as families and as communities and as organizations. And it doesn't mean that you approve of everything that somebody else is doing or agree with something that someone else is saying, but you can always love people. You can love them anyway. And I think we really need that glue. Um, I think we need it as a community of Christians. Obviously, we can have differences on certain kinds of doctrinal issues, but we really need to be the body of Christ. We need to stay together. We really do need to love each other. And Christ said that's how others will know that we belong to him. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kent Keith, uh, president of Pacific Rim University. When we come back from our break, uh, we'll talk more with him, as you can tell. Uh, Yes, we can go in many directions. We can also go deep or deeper and speak about the Christian university. Why? Why attend a Christian university? By the way, Pac Rim. Pac Rim holds the annual student scholarship gala. Celebrating 20 years on April 29th, 2018. A Christian, Univer- Christian University, an institution of higher education. Kent Keith will be back with more. Stay with us. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny. A program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. He's been interviewed by Katie Couric on NBC Today Show and quoted in the Wall Street Journal and Inc.com. He's appeared on TV shows and more than 100 radio programs in the United States, the United Kingdom, Japan, Korea, and Australia. He joins us today. It's a blessing to have Kent Keith with us. You're listening to The Good Life Radio Show. Danny Yamashiro here, Suzanne Maurer, my co-host. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're tuning in right now or maybe caught the tail end of our last segment, uh, look, you can get this program in its entirety as a gift to you. Uh, listen to it over and over, share it with a family member or a friend, pass it on. I think it will be a great gift for someone from you. Uh, to find out more about 
Kent Keith and Pacific Rim Christian University, packrim.edu. Packrim.edu, they have their 20th celebration, 20th year gala for the, the annual student scholarship, April 29th, 2018, at Koalau Ballroom. Ballroom yeah. right? 530 to 830. Kent, we talked about uh, the paradoxical commandments. I do want to talk about Christian a Christian university. But uh, just just uh, the paradoxical commandments, how would you say they are rooted in Scripture? Are they rooted in Scripture and, uh, or, or in the life of Christ? Sure. You know, I, I was able to write a book in which I illustrated each of the commandments with, um, you know, stories from the Bible and, and the teachings of Christ. I think that, that what we're, uh, again, what we're called to do is to do the right thing, to, to, to respond to Christ anyway, no matter what's happening around us. And I really, that really came to me uh, in high school before I wrote the commandments. The anyway idea came to me um, by suddenly having a different way of personally understanding Good Friday. I, I really didn't want to think about Good Friday. I thought it was terrible, the worst day in, in the history of the world. How can anybody call it good? Um, and it finally dawned on me that it wasn't just about what the world did to Jesus. It was also about how he responded. So in the face of all that cruelty and pain and hate, he loved people anyway. He saved people anyway. He forgave people anyway. I mean, there he is on the cross, suffering and dying, and he connects his disciple John with his mother, showing his love. Even on the cross, suffering and dying, he saves one of the robbers who's being crucified with him. Even on the cross, suffering and dying, he asks God to forgive the people who were crucifying him. This is just astonishing. I mean, this is really breathtaking. The, 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 the loving, forgiving spirit of Christ triumphed over everything that was done to him that day. The world could not change who he was or what he came to do. He did it anyway. And so that just that had a big impact on me. I realized that our spiritual lives are, of course, partly about what the world does to us, but they're mostly about how we respond to what the world does to us. And if we respond the way Christ did, we can always find meaning. We can always live our faith. We can always find, find joy in Christ. So I think he wants us to triumph over life before we triumph over death. I think Good Friday was a victory. I think he, he triumphed over life, and then he triumphed over death, and that's what he wants us to do as well. Did you, did you ever think back then that it, it's sort, sort of a thematic phrase or a thematic word that would sort of uh, be the undercurrent of your life, this word anyway? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, I was writing a booklet for student leaders, and it was just part of the booklet, but it's something that I really cared about. It was a chapter about brotherly love, about how we really need to love people. If you don't love people, don't lead. You know, you, you really that's a prerequisite. And if you do love people and you go out and do what you think is right and good and true to help them, you'll get the meaning. Stay focused on that. You know, you'll 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 be energized. You'll be motivated. You'll be able to continue to serve. So I know I had no idea what was going to happen mm -hmm. to it and how important it was going to become in my own life. Danny, we're sitting with a man, um, and I'm going to try and do this without crying, that has been uniquely blessed. Um, and I love that our listeners are having a chance to hear this because clear back in high school, God was blessing you um, really in incredible ways. And love trumps all. And that's what you're anyway, anyway is telling our listeners 
that love trumps all. But we are blessed this day, Danny. Kent, why, someone may ask, why attend a Christian university? That's a really good question. Um, there's so so many reasons, really. Um, if you have raised your children in the Christian faith, if you are a Christian and really care about your faith, um, it's really important to, to go to an institution that will help you strengthen your faith, that will help you learn about the Word and, and, and learn about theology and, and doctrine and, and how the, the Lord has been moving and how the Holy Spirit's been moving in the world. And unfortunately, there are not very many institutions that do that anymore. Um, higher ed in America really began in a way that's very similar to Pacific Rim Christian University today. It began as a series of small schools uh, that were dedicated to the glory of God. They were there to train clergy and to train Christian community leaders. And they were not research institutions. They, they didn't have intercollegiate athletic programs. They didn't have big campuses. They had 50, 100, maybe as many as 150 students. They were very small, very focused. Um, and that's, that's how higher ed began in the U.S. But toward the end of the 19th century, the university idea came from Germany. Intercollegiate athletics grew. The scientific revolution um, campuses became very large. Um, it it really, really changed. And even universities that were founded by churches or affiliated with denominations became more and more secular to the point that there may be only a few hundred institutions in the United States today that consist of Christians teaching Christian subjects to Christians. But Pacific Rim Christian University is one of those institutions. Most of the others are Bible colleges or seminaries. I think this is really, really important work. Because you can learn things, of course, in church and in Sunday school and at Bible institutes, but we are teaching students uh, in depth about the Word, about Christian doctrine. We're teaching them skills. We're helping them to prepare for their entire life as a Christian, no matter what God calls them to do. And I think that's a very special and very important role uh, for an institution to play in a society that's become very secular. Someone may agree with everything that you're saying, Kent, a parent, maybe a grandparent. Wow. That, 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 that sounds so, that sounds like where a a person should go. Another question may come up though. They'll say, well, what about, what about work? (laughs) I mean, don't you go to university to get a, to be trained to do work? What if, what if my son or daughter or grandchild wants to, go into a different field other than ministry. It sounds like this is very ministry-related. Sure, and that's a really good question. And um, what's happened in the last few decades is that more and more people um, have looked at college as preparation for a specific job or career. I think part of that's because higher ed has become so expensive Hmm. that people are beginning to look at it as a financial investment and what's my return on on that investment financially. Um, So what's, what's really been happening is that um, most people do not end up with careers that are in the fields that are the, that they that's majored true. in in college. Um, they're just not, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, if you start out as a freshman with your eyes on a specific job, it may not even exist by the time you're a senior. Or if it exists, there may, may not be very many of them, and you may not get one. Uh, what employers have been telling us for decades is that's not what they're looking for. What they're looking for is skills. And the major may be relevant, that's fine, but what they're looking for has been very consistent. They are looking for people who can serve as team members or lead teams. They're looking for, for people who can 
think clearly and speak clearly, who can plan, who can organize, um, who can can uh, express themselves. You know, it's 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 just really really obvious that these are skills that can be taught in any university and and they're transferable and you can use them throughout your lifetime. So at Pacific Rim Christian University, we actually teach critical thinking. We teach public speaking. Our students are involved in teams. They they put on chapel services as teams. They plan missions uh, to other countries as teams. So you go down the line, what are the skills that are transferable and usable for a lifetime? And we do teach those, and that is actually what employers are looking for. So you get past the particular uh, degree, whatever it is, and look at what somebody can do. Um, our students, of course, they, they can serve in the ministry, but they can serve in the marketplace. And my guess is that the way the world's changing, they'll be back and forth. They'll be in one and then the other and then maybe both at the same time. So if you lay a strong foundation and it has a skills base, then you are preparing for whatever God may call you to do for the rest of your life. Finances come into play, too. Sure. The question about tuition, uh, you know, w- one may think already as a given with the, the, the cost of education today, it's a given to go into debt. Some may think that. How would someone who's a student at Pacific Rim University, uh, what has Pacific Rim done or what would, what would a forecast potentially be for a student economically? Sure. That's very important. Uh, it's estimated that the uh, students today owe, owe the, the government or, or banks like $1.4 trillion. It's a, it's a huge number. And the average student graduating a year ago owed, um, I think it was $37,000, which is a lot of money uh, when you're starting out in life. Pacific Rim Christian University, because we don't have an intercollegiate athletic program and we're not a research facility and we share facilities with the church, with uh, New Hope Oahu. So we use their, their rooms and facilities during the day and they use them at night and on weekends. Uh, we rent space in a warehouse. I mean, we're very low overhead. Uh, we're able to offer uh, quality teaching at $9,960. Now, that compares to the national average of about $34,000. So we're less than a third the national average. We're less than half of the private institutions in Hawaii. Uh, we do that by focusing, again, on the teacher, the student, and building a Christian learning community, um, not on having a big campus or a lot of other programs that we really don't need in order to teach the Word. As a result of a low tuition, obviously, first of all, students have to, don't have to put together as big a financial package. We looked at the last two years of graduating uh, students at uh, PACRIM, and we found something really interesting. First of all, the average loan was less than a third, the national average, which kind of follows the tuition being less than a third. But we found an interesting uh, split. Our undergraduates who are in the 18 to 24-year-old uh, group graduated without owing anything, Hmm. nothing at all. (laughs) The people who borrowed were the older students who came back to school, felt called to come back. They have spouses, they have have children, they have mortgages, and so they borrowed money to meet their financial obligations while they were back in school. They're the ones that borrowed. And the borrowing could be significant. It could be $40,000, $45,000 up in that level. Um, But our younger students who were just setting out graduated with no debt at all. That's why PACRIM uh, holds, right? Holds these annual student scholarship and celebrate, uh, you know, in this case, celebrating 20 years. That's right. I mean, it's, we're just very happy about the fact that every dollar we receive goes a long way. Mm. And scholarships are available. Scholarships are available. Majority of our students are on scholarship. April 29, 
2018. When we come back from our break, more from Dr. Kent Keith. Pacific Rim Christian University holds the annual Student Scholarship Gala, celebrating 20 years on April 29, 2018 at Kolau Ballrooms. Packrim.edu, that's how you can find out more. Pacific Rim Christian University, it's an institution of higher education that exists to disciple emerging Christian leaders by developing their theology, ministry skills, and character in order to win souls, plant fruitful churches, and lead as exemplary ambassadors for Christ in the ministry and marketplace. Stay with us. We'll be back with more. Wandering the road of desperate life Namelessly beneath the barren sky On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to every single listener who has tuned into the program weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visited drdanny.live for more resources and information about the ministry. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the good word of the gospel over the airwaves and bring hope through opening people's hearts to Jesus Christ. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel to believers and non-believers alike so that all may form a relationship with Jesus Christ. Visit drdanny.live if you are so moved to contribute financially. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again to every single listener and supporter of the Good Life Radio Program and Danny Yamashiro Ministries. May God richly bless you with the good life. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Dr. Kent Keith, the president of Pacific Rim Christian University, is with us in studio. Danny Yamashiro here, Suzanne Maurer uh, with us. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I believe, as Dr. Keith shares, uh, the, the blessings keep on flowing. Encouragement, uh, insights, even direction in life uh, as, as we join in our time together. We're talking about Christian higher education your model at uh, PacRim is unique, uh, especially when we talk about the economics. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, students graduating with no debt. Now, you did mention some of the older students. Mm-hmm. They, they, they do take on some debt. But for the young, younger students graduating, that, that's significant. One-third the cost of the national average. For a four-year private university, yeah. yeah. So how do you do it? What is the model and... Um, What's the value of simplicity? Right. Um, well, the, the model is that you start with with the relationship between teachers and students, and and you want that to be a community. Um, I think that that's biblical. I think we're designed to be together uh, as a Christian community to support each other, love each other, pay attention to each other. So you start looking at that teachers and students. Um, you ask the question: How big a commu- can a community be and still be a community? I mean, it may be after two or three hundred, we really don't know each other very well anymore. We we recognize each other's faces or names. We we nod or smile, but we don't really know each other. So, we're looking at a community that's small enough 
for people to really know and care about each other. So small, focused on the, the teaching and the learning, and then you ask, so, so what else do we need to make this work? And it isn't a lot. You need, you need uh, classrooms, you need a library, you need, need good uh, faculty and staff. And we're practice-oriented, so we're trying to prepare students to go out into the world and, and serve the Lord and advance the kingdom in practical ways, so we want practical faculty. Uh, that means, basically, we want faculty who are doing it, uh, faculty members who are pastors or maybe professionals uh, in the arts. That, in fact, was the original model in the United States during colonial times. Almost all the, the faculty members were ministers. So our faculty are all part-time, and they come in to teach something they're passionate about. Uh, they have advanced degrees. They have, they have the scholarly credentials, and they'll come in and teach something that they really love. And so they're energized, and, and they love to do it, and it's kind of a renewal thing for them. So we get people who have the practical background, who have the passion, and they come in and teach students and help them understand what it's going to be like to understand the word and then to apply it when they move forward in their lives. <laughs> we have part-time faculty. We have many part-time staff. It's, it's about right-sizing, and it's about having what you need and nothing that you don't. How has God shown his faithfulness to Pac Rim over the last 20 years? You know, it's it's been really, really wonderful. Um, God has been so good. It started out as a Bible institute, um, and the Bible institute, basically all of the the uh, majors are, are biblical, um, biblical studies, theology, pastoral ministry. Um, but it's, it's not a degree-granting institution. And so um, the Bible institutes across America grew mostly by adding uh, a liberal arts requirement. So our students must take at least 10 Bible courses. But like a liberal arts institution, they take 10 general education courses. Um, we think that's a good idea. Introduction to world civilization, psychology, et cetera. So they have the Bible, they have the, the, the liberal arts. And then when you add in uh, graduate programs, we have a master's in Christian ministry and we have the master's of divinity, the professional degree that many denominations accept for the pastorate. When you add the, the master's degrees, then you get to call yourself a university. And in fact, that's, that's really what a seminary does. So we grew in a kind of a natural way over time from a Bible institute to a Bible college to, uh, to a university. And um, we've been blessed uh, at every step. Uh, the last uh, three years I've been involved, um, we, we reorganized, uh, reestablished with a new corporation, same people, same mission, um, a new legal uh, format. And uh, uh, New Hope Oahu uh, has been very, very supportive. They're our sponsor, and we get to use their facilities. Um, they, in, during the time of reorganization, they loaned us money, and then they saw that we were doing our best to, to fulfill the mission and, and to, to follow Christ and to be responsive. And they, they um, just very, very uh, graciously turned the loan into a grant, and basically we were off and running. Uh, very supportive. We've had so many people who have blessed us uh, to help us along the way. Someone may ask, uh, they, you mentioned New Hope a number of times. So New Hope. Foursquare denomination. Right. Is this, yes, you mentioned university. It could be assumed, and in this case, rightfully so, but someone may wonder, is it only for New Hope uh, affiliated people, uh, Foursquare affiliated people, or is, it, or is it broader than that? Yeah, I really appreciate that question because it's been for everybody from the beginning. Um, and because we we use New Hope facilities, people might imagine that it's it's for New Hope. It's it's always been for the larger Christian community here. 
uh, in Hawaii and around the world. Um, mm-hmm. The last time, I think last semester we counted, we had students from at least 30 different churches. And that's wonderful because you get some, some really good discussions in the classroom. Mm-hmm. People come from different backgrounds, all Christian, but some different traditions. So, no, it's always, it's always been open. You don't have to be um, a New Hope um, member to be a staff member or a faculty member, but we do welcome them, of course, because that's, that's a natural thing for us because of the close relationship. Now, let's talk about the, the faculty, mm-hmm. too. Uh, so there's diversity even among the faculty in terms of their uh, interdenominational mm-hmm. uh, connections, right? Right. So what we do is we have a statement of faith. It's actually the statement of faith that uh, is called the Tenets of Faith by the Association for Biblical Higher Education, which is the accrediting agency. And this statement of faith um, we see as a magnet. It's not meant so much to exclude people. It's meant to attract people. This is what we believe we would like to join together in a community with you, to, you know, to share these beliefs. And then beyond that statement of faith, there, there will be some differences, and uh, that's just normal. Um, there are thousands and thousands of Protestant denominations in the world, and um, we think that it would be a good idea to get them together. <laughs> and we think a university is a good place for, for dialogue and discussion. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because a, a college is not a church. The role's a little different. And at the college, what we really hope is that students will make their faith their own. And that means they're going to have to ask questions. They're going to have to wrestle with a little bit to make it their own. And so we need to be open to that. There needs to be some elbow room for that. What's the vision? We talked about the past 20 years, Mm -hmm. the gala coming up uh, April 29th, 2018. Uh, But looking ahead, what do you see, Kent Keith, for the next five, ten years? I appreciate the the question. I I go back a few years. um, Dr. Randy Furushima um, drew me into to PACRIM. Uh, I love teaching servant leadership, and he, he asked me if I would, would teach an intensive course, and, and uh, that's what got me connected and got me started. Uh, when I first became involved, um, I, I wanted to tease Randy. I said, uh, Randy, um, gee, you know, the name is Pacific Rim Christian University. You do know we're not on the rim, right? We're right in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> And he laughed. He's a wonderful man. He's very patient with me. He said, he yes, Kent. He said, we are in the middle, but our aspiration is to serve the Pacific Rim. And I love that. Um, we want to be connected in the Pacific. We also want to serve the Rim. So I see us doing more and more outreach. The first step in that has already occurred. We've established um, a PAC Rim Bible Institute Asia, which will be located in Tokyo. And we'll be sending faculty to teach um, courses uh, for a group of uh, 15 churches in Tokyo affiliated with uh, New Hope International. That's a first step. We hope there'll be many more. So as you look ahead, I hope that we'll do more outreach within the islands, um, in Hawaii, other Pacific islands, and certainly uh, more and more around the rim. To mm-hmm. make, we put the rim in Pacific Rim. Well, serving the church, serving the community, and now serving the world. When we come back from our break, we'll talk with uh, Dr. Kent Keith about, uh, well, more on a personal note, uh, transitions, uh, difficult times. Uh, We all go through difficult transitions in our life. Perhaps he has uh, some insights to share from his own experience, maybe even a scripture verse. It's a word that I think could... uh, touch us right where we are today. Uh, Where are you, dear one? 
you feel like your back is against the wall, you feel like uh, you're running out of options, well, there's always hope in Jesus Christ. And he sends Kent Keith to share heart to heart with you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team each month you will receive a letter updating you on some of the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. In 2003, he wrote Do It Anyway, the handbook for finding personal meaning and deep happiness in a crazy world. In 2005, he wrote Jesus Did It Anyway, the paradoxical commandments for Christians. Yes, Ken Keith is with us today. Danny Yamashiro here. Suzanne Maher, you're listening to the Good Life Radio Show. It's a blessing to have you with us again Find out more about this show at thegoodlifehawaii.com and packrim.edu. Pacific Rim Christian University celebrates 20 years. It's a student scholarship gala, April 29th, 2018 at uh, Koolau. Koolau Ballrooms in Kaneohe. Now, you can find out more about that at packrim.edu. I encourage you to to, uh, take part. Take part, participate, spread the word. Again, packrim.edu. Kent, how has the Lord helped you through difficult times or difficult transitions that you faced in life? You know, I, I think that the, the first sort of big issue for me in my life was, you know, when you, when you move almost every year, you make friends and then you lose them almost right away. Um, and I got to a point where, uh, that was just too painful. And I'm thinking now nah, I just don't want any friends anymore. And I started building walls and you know, protecting myself from the pain of, of separation. I mean, that was, come on, that was before email or internet or anything. I mean, we, if you wanted to stay in touch, it was really hard. Uh, you, you could write a letter. Uh, that's just, um, not the same. I'm not as, sure listeners know what that is. Yeah. I'm <laughs> well, we wrote them by hand and later we had manual typewriters. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a painful thing, and, but I came to the point where I realized that if I had these walls up, uh, I wasn't going to be able to give and receive love. 
and that meant I wasn't going to be alive, and that, of course, meant that I wasn't going to be loving other people the way Jesus wants us to love other people. So I think um, I really took that to heart, and I said, well, you know, maybe it will hurt, but it will be real, and I get to, to live my faith. So that was a that was a turning point. You know, there were specific instances where I had to decide I'm going to take a stand, and it's it's hard because, I mean, you, you ask God, what do you want me to do? You try to discern what you're supposed to do in those situations. Um, you may not be sure. Um, you look for signs. You pray. Um, I, When I was a sophomore in high school, I took a stand on an issue that was in the student government. I was very uh, interested in student government. Um, I took a stand and was the only one in a school of 2,400 students to oppose what the senior student council officers wanted to do. And they were pretty mean to me, and they even picketed me uh, in the courtyard. They actually made signs and marched around attacking Kent Keith, and I was 15 years old and only been to school for two months. Um, we actually won that issue when it came to a vote. Um, but, you know, it's that sort of situation where you say, who am I, what do I believe, is is the bell ringing, and I'm, am I supposed to get into the ring this time? I mean, am I supposed to act or, or not? Um, another, another case when I was uh, 18, right after I graduated from high school, um, I was a student, uh, workshop leader at a, a student council workshop in the Midwest. And again, it was the sixties, kind of a, a turbulent time. Adults were sort of afraid of what students would do. Um, they asked me if I would speak to two or 300 incoming student leaders. They were going to go back to their high schools and leave the following year. And I, I'd seen enough to know that most student leaders were more focused on themselves and their resumes and their college application forms than they were in helping anybody in their school. So I stood up and I told them, yeah, basically you're a fraud, you're a hoax, um, but you don't have to be. You could really change lives. You could really reach people. You could get out in the school and listen to other students and figure out how you might be able to make a difference as a student leader, as a student council. And that was one of the most exciting moments of my life. They they came down after I finished speaking. There was a there was a crowd. They actually lifted me on their shoulders and carried me outside. And we had a really wonderful conversation about being real, about stopping, you know, this whole thing about we're just pretending to care about people when we're really just holding parties for ourselves. Um, and after that great conversation, there were four adults, the director and several other adult advisors, marched me to my room, said, you cannot make phone calls. They locked the door. They said, you're packing now. And you were leaving, and they took me out of the parking lot, put me in the back of a car, and dropped me off 20 miles away in a, in a cornfield at 9.30 at night. They knew that a bus was coming. Uh, so They were civil yeah, in that yeah, way. They, yeah, they, 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 they knew a bus was coming. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sitting there on the bench, you know, at 9.30 in, in the dark watching cars go by, and I'm saying, well, that's not what I had in mind, um, but I would do it again. Because mm. it was honest, and we had a breakthrough, and they understood, and maybe something good will happen. Maybe they will do something to help someone else. So, I mean, you have these moments, and you have to be humble about it. I mean, is God really calling me to do that? And you, 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 you yeah, you, you pray, you try to discern, you look around, you figure, you know, who am I, what have I been called to do, and is this one of those moments? Not every moment is one of those moments, but those sorts of things happened, and I think those were the kinds of experiences that fed into me uh, writing the Paradoxical Commandments at the age of 19. Not everybody who turns 19 has already been picketed and run out of town. (laughs) Courage. Courage, moral courage. Commitment. Is something that is 
I think a need in every generation, certainly need it now. Uh, we could talk about it, but as you have said on a number of occasions in our time together today, the action, the doing right. of it, right. uh, taking that step of moving forward. Someone listening um, may be in a position to exercise some, mm-hmm. some courage. Encourage them, Kent, in this moment where they may be on the threshold of exercising courage. You know, I think it's about being really true to our faith. I mean, you, you can go back and word, uh, read the words of Jesus um, and uh, how we are to live. We're to be in the world, not of the world. We're not to measure ourselves by these, these uh, symbols of success that the culture promotes every day. Um, and we are called to, to do the loving thing. And we can't fight every fight. Uh, there aren't enough hours in the day. We don't have enough energy or resources. But we can we can discern which ones we are uniquely uh, able um, to to fight and and join with others um, to to have an impact. Um, I think it's about really being who we're supposed to be. I think it's it's um, you know taking off the, the the social cultural mask and saying. I believe in Christ. I believe this is how we're supposed to live. This is what he taught. This feels right. This is how I think I, I was, this is what I was designed to be. This is what I was created for. And, and you get this incredible freedom when you live that way. Um, you just, all these things, you can just lift them off your, your shoulders. You know, the, the, the burden is light. And, and suddenly you are free to be who you believe you're really called to be and, and, and follow Christ. And, the the results may be uh, positive or negative or, or in between in terms of how society judges you, um, but that that's freedom. That's freedom in Christ. Your favorite scripture in this season of your life? You know, I, I really um, I've been thinking a lot about this this issue. Um, I've had a passion for for twenty five years um, about servant leadership. And uh, I'm, I'm allowed to teach that at Pacific Rim Christian University, and I really enjoy it, both at the undergraduate and the graduate level. There is a passage that is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, that is often um, ignored, uh, even by Christians. And um, I usually quote Matthew twenty twenty-five to 28, in which um, Jesus is saying, um, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever would become great among you must be your servant. Whoever would become first must be your slave. Just as the Son of of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that, again, um, scholars would say that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else he talked about. And the center of that vision of the kingdom of God is a servant's heart. Uh, you know, he washed the feet of the disciples. He says in Luke, I am among you as one who serves. And to me, that is the key to the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that we behave differently, that the kingdom does not break into this world by fighting power with power. It breaks into this world through love and service. And so this idea of bringing about change uh, through leadership that is servant leadership, um, yeah, that's had a big impact on me. I've tried to live it myself. Um, I'm imperfect. I'm a sinner. Uh, I've done my best to apply it. I'm doing my best to teach it, write about it, speak about it, um, because I believe that is how we can leave a huge legacy 
make the world a better place and and prepare for for the next coming of Jesus. At a point of action, someone may be willing to take a step forward, exercising uh, courage, showing courage. But now you bring in courage as a servant, Mm -hmm. as a servant. Could you, would you, Kent, would you lead in a prayer with this dear friend who's listening right now? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, change is on the horizon, an impact because of the step that's going to be taken. Okay. Lord, we, we know that you taught us to be a servant, to be a servant first. That you taught us to love you, to love love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in that loving, you also called us unto serve. You said that you came to serve, that you were among us as one who serves. So we ask for the, the, the courage to look at our, our fellow uh, human beings, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, to look at them and, and say, how can we serve them? How can we identify and meet their needs? How can we help them? to grow, to fulfill their sacred potential, to develop the gifts that you have given them, given them so that they in turn can serve others, so that this idea of the servant's heart will multiply uh, throughout your, your church and throughout the community and open doors that will allow the kingdom of God to break into our world. We know that many people um, think that, that leadership is about power, and you taught us, no, it's, it's about service. It's about serving and that we need to behave differently if we are going to have uh, the difference that, that the kingdom of God will make. So we, we ask now that we can turn our minds and hearts um, away from ourselves toward, toward others, toward their needs, and the joy of serving them, of helping them to grow. We know this is a sacred task. We know this is a task that you've asked us all to be involved in. We ask for this, this courage and this wisdom in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Kent, thank you again. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Words inspiring action from Dr. Kent Keith, packrim.edu. God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And look, if you haven't done so, I believe this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for I am the Lord your God. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Kent Keith, packrim.edu. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. 
Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.